for the record, Rich, I was still using those 120 bits per inch nine track drives in 1994 <laughs> right. when I when I left yeah. the bank. It's very possible. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my baby shower consultant, Persona Maliandi. How's it going, Persona? <laughs> I'm good, Curtis, although I think I've only ever been to one baby shower, so I don't know if I'm your baby shower consultant or maybe well, you're, you're just... you're consulting me on how to get out of the baby shower. Yes, that is true. <laughs> it's a friend of my daughter, and I like her very much. You know what I don't like, Persona? What don't you like, Curtis? Baby showers. <laughs> but, I hate them. But what, what part? What part? What part of the baby shower do you not like? There, there, there's so many little parts, but I will say that the part that just freaks me out is this thing, this game they play, where they melt chocolate into a diaper. And then you have to like sample the chocolate in a diaper. Oh, like, why? Who does sick? What kind of sick crap is that? And but 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 who, who you never like when the baby's born, you never taste the baby's diaper. No, why are you tasting know, the baby's just, diaper? Just it's pregnant, pregnant women in parties. It's just I love them. I'm glad they do this. I'm glad they do what they do. I'm glad I don't have to do it. But Goodness gracious, the weird stuff they do at these parties. You know, uh, I just, I just, I want them to, I want it to be their special day. Have, <laughs> it's the, your you know, special day, not mine. Have oh, fun. Oh, and they're saying, they're saying, oh, but there will be guys there. And I'm like, you know what? I are didn't there really go to, guys? They're so alleged. Well, I think they're, I'm, I think the, the other guys are being forced into it just like me. Oh. Yeah, I always um, thought that baby showers. It's a new thing. Don't... Okay. It's a new thing. The modern man goes to baby showers. And I'm like, Is it on okay. a Sunday? Because maybe then you can watch it's, football. It's on a, it's on a <laughs> Saturday afternoon. College football. There you go, Curtis. Get the other guys. Go watch college football in one of the other rooms with some beers. I just I just don't. <laughs> I just I don't want to go, Prasanna. You need to you need to you need to give me an excuse. Maybe we can schedule a podcast. The... Yeah, <laughs> a late minute edition, new podcast. Oh, oh I just I just uh, you know. So maybe maybe next week when we record a podcast, we'll talk about what you actually I, did, how I survived. <laughs> I, I will be making an appearance. Would be my, mm. and then I will be getting out as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> Like, I, I love you. I'm glad you, you know, congratulations on your baby. You know, you know what he, you should do? He, you should use the money. sling. What? You should wear the oh, sling. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't. You can't stay long. Shower. Yeah, you because, can't stay long. People feel my sorry rotator, for you. My doctor told yeah. me the rotator cuff and baby showers don't go in common. No, and they'll probably feel pity for you if you have your sling on. Pity. I will do pity. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I am fine with with pity excuse to not go to the party. I'm sure our guest is like, "What are you guys talking about?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is. The, but see, this is why you're this is why you're my my baby shower consultant. <laughs> and before we bring on our guest, I want to throw out our usual disclaimer. Persona works for Zoom. I work for Druva. This is not a Druva or Zoom podcast. The opinions that you hear are ours. And please rate us at ratethispodcast.com/slash/restore. I wanted to mention once again that O'Reilly and Associates has allowed me to give away a free ebook copy of my new book, Modern Data Protection, to one new listener each week. And to be eligible for this drawing, you just need to subscribe to my mailing list on backupcentral.com. Easy peasy. And then each week, I will select one new subscriber to receive this ebook copy. This week's winner. And again, it's another name I'm not quite sure how to pronounce, but it looks like Kevin She. If that sounds like your name, you should be checking your email account and uh, for an email from me and then uh, later an email from O'Reilly. The rest of you, just subscribe to my mailing list on BackupCentral.com and you'll be eligible for future drawings. Speaking of our guest, he has been in the uh, industry for over 25 years, and he is now 
the and for the last actually almost 20 years the head of tape evangelism at Fujifilm Recording Media USA welcome to the podcast Rich Kadomsky thank you very much Curtis and Prasanna great to be here are you by any chance interested in going to a baby shower? Yeah, or do you have any tips on how to get out? <laughs> I listen. I I totally sympathize with what you're saying. Uh, I have a big family, and uh, I always try to avoid it. You know, there's yeah. always something to do on the honeydew list that helps me get out of it. <laughs> what, honey? I can't be at this baby shower. I have to paint this this sighting or something. Yes, yes. There you go. That works. Well, w- welcome to the podcast, Rich. I must have been you know, scouring LinkedIn as I do on a pretty regular basis, your, your, your LinkedIn page certainly jumped out at me. You know, you, you don't often see head of tape evangelism anywhere, but in your case, that is, that is right underneath your name. Uh, that is a, that's a pretty big title at a pretty big company. Fujifilm has a significant role to play in the the world of tape. Does it not? Yeah, absolutely, Curtis. You know, we we are the leading manufacturer of today's modern, you know, data tape technology in the media itself. Uh, and you know, we support um, obviously the LTO uh, consortium and the technology provider companies, IBM, HPE, Quantum. You know, in their development of of the LTO roadmap and uh, making sure that the media, uh, you know, will keep up with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also work with IBM and uh, their enterprise, uh, you know, proprietary tape drive uh, system. Right. Um, so that's our contribution. Yeah, and and you know, we think of ourselves as definitely an industry leader uh, in terms of uh, the technology. Uh, we were the first ones to market with um, uh, barium ferrite, for example, which was right. a key enabler to the multi terabyte tapes. And you want to you want to you want to talk about that for a minute? What 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 does that mean? <clears throat> sure. So if you go back to like 1994, uh, the industry was using um, what we call legacy metal particles uh, mm-hmm. on the tape surface, uh, which were Basically pretty... Basically the same, the same as disc, right? At the time, I think? Uh, yes. Uh, very right. similar to what was being used. Which, is why, which is why some some use the pejorative term spinning rust to refer, yes. to, <laughs> to, refer to disc drives. That's correct. So... With with legacy metal particle at that uh, time period, if you wanted to increase the aerial density, you had to reduce the magnetic particle size. That's basically if you wanted to fit more bits on a tape. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. right. So you want to increase capacity, basically. Um, but what happened when you reduce the legacy metal particle that we were using at the time? It would lose its magnetic signal strength, um, and it, it couldn't, you know, reliably store, you know, the positive negative. Um, charge on the bits. So that's obviously not very good for an archival application or long-term data storage. Which one, which one could argue is now tape's primary role, uh, being really good at holding on stuff for a really long period of time. For, lo- for long periods of time. Yeah. Although, you know, not to get sidetracked, but it, it, today it's not only being used for archival applications, but now, you know, again, for backup, um, you know, uh, air gap, ransomware right. yeah, those kind of issues. Yeah, so, absolutely. Let's get, let's, we'll definitely come back to we'll that. We'll cover that. Yeah. But, but getting back to the metal particles, so in order to reduce uh, the, the particle size, um, we had to find a new uh, metal particle, and, and that became barium ferrite. So with barium ferrite, we could, we could go to a much smaller particle, mm-hmm. but with even better magnetic characteristics, uh, where it wasn't losing its magnetic signal strength, very high coercivity, um, and it, it could maintain its signal strength for over 30 years. Uh, but we could greatly reduce the size of the particle. Therefore, we could increase aerial density. Therefore, we could increase capacity. Um, and that's what we really needed. You know, we needed um, multi-terabyte tapes. Uh, and, and that's what we brought to market starting around 2006. Um, so the first enterprise tapes that were over uh, one terabyte, and then eventually um, LTO started to use uh, barium ferrite as well. So that's now the de facto standard and really uh, one of the key enablers to get the media uh, capacity up. Um, but Are, we, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was go just ahead, going to ask. Yeah. yeah. As a layman who's not as familiar with tape, it seems like there's so many details and nuances with tape 
that you're constantly improving. It's not like, oh, it's the same tape that you had back in like 1994, right? The technology is constantly changing. Things are constantly evolving inside the media itself in order to be able to constantly keep evolving. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, really good observation. Uh, You know, because if you turn back the clock to the 1950s, we were dealing with two megabyte reel-to-reel tapes on, you know, with nine tracks. You know, so today it's a palm-sized cartridge. Uh, The track count is is over 8,700 tracks, still on a half-inch wide uh, strip of tape. So um, it is indeed, you know, highly advanced technology. Uh, We use servo tracking now uh, uh, to to manage those very high track densities. So in addition to the aerial density of the bit particle, the track density has gone up significantly. Um, and yeah, so you, you, and so it, it does like a serpentine situation, right? It, it that's, starts that's at one correct. end of the tape, goes all the way, and then it moves the head just a little bit and then comes all the way back, right? That, that's right. So it's, yeah. we're, it's linear, linear tape recording, correct. And for the uh, record, for, for the record, Rich, I was still using those 120 bits per inch, nine track drives in 1994 <laughs> right. when I, when I left yeah. the bank. It's very possible. You know, we, we joked about it back then because uh, it was a, so I worked at MBNA, which at the time was the second largest credit card company. And um, the, I, we had a mainframe in Dallas and we were in uh, Newark, Delaware, not to be confused with Newark, New Jersey, right? We were in Newark, Delaware, which by the way, everything I'm describing is now Bank of America, but back then it was MBNA. And I, I always joked about the fact that we had the technology to get the pay. So we processed payments in Dallas and this big mainframe thing, which I didn't understand. I was a Unixy guy. Right. But we processed payments in uh, Delaware. I'm sorry, uh, in, in Texas. And we had the technology to get that payment data all the way to Delaware electronically, but to get it from upstairs to downstairs in Delaware, we had to cut one of those nine track, you know, 120 bits per inch uh, tapes, and and then and then and then physically take it downstairs. Sneaker delivery. I, yeah, sneaker net. The the, fi- the final mile was was sneaker net, and we were still you. You know, honestly, they could still be using those tapes. I have no idea because yeah. they were they were they weren't. I mean, this was, this was 90, I left that bank in 95 and those were still, we had six of those giant, but for those of you that have never, like, basically this is what you would see in, you know, if you watch like a 90s about film. NASA, you yeah. know, well, NASA in the sixties, these, these tape drives, a tape drive was, it was bigger than a refrigerator. Right, bigger than like a big refrigerator. (laughs) Correct. This was a big machine, and we had an entire room that that held those tape drives. So yeah, I I definitely experienced those tape drives, and I experienced all of the predecessors to LTO. Right, Um, you know, I I used uh, uh, eight millimeter and four millimeter. I used the the TK seventies, which had the same four factor as the as the LTOs, that's that was the, the digital. You remember digital, digital Correct. equipment corporation right. deck, right? right? Um, and then I remember when I first saw my first LTO, and I immediately I was like, "This is the TK seventy. Like, it, I understand <laughs> what? How how are you going to fit so much more media or so much more data on? Because I those things were TK seventies were like." maybe a few hundred megabytes. I, I don't, I, it's been a really long time. Maybe, maybe more than that, but it, it was anyway, I digress. Sorry. So here's, here's my question. The, the barium ferrite isn't, isn't the industry currently working on the next thing past barium ferrite. Isn't there something else that we're talking about now, or, or are you not allowed well, to talk? Well, about yes, that? no, no, absolutely. I'm glad to share uh, what I know as far as that's concerned. And, um, you know, I'll start. So in, in 2015, we did a demo with IBM uh, that w- demonstrated, you know, the ability to get to 220 terabytes on a single uh, cartridge, um, same form factor uh, that we have today with LTO. Um, 
in, I believe it was 2017, Sony did a demo also with IBM uh, that they could achieve 330 terabytes on a cartridge uh, using a sputtered uh, technology. What, um, wait, it, what? Sputtered technology? Sputtered, uh, sp- in, rather than a traditional coating on the tape where we're coating the magnetic particles, they were using a sputtering technique, which is basically how they apply the uh, magnetic coating to hard disk drives. So oh, slightly okay. different, yeah, slightly different uh, process. Um, so that was, I believe, 2017, and then in 2020 we did a demonstration with IBM using the next generation of magnetic particle, which we call strontium ferrite. There we go. Uh, yeah, so strontium ferrite, December 2020. That demo uh, was a, a record in the aerial density recording uh, on mm-hmm. tape, which I believe was. 317 uh, billion bits per square inch, uh, which is huge for tape, uh, uh, but tiny for HDD. Uh, right, right. That's a whole other story uh, we can touch upon. But strontium ferrite would be the next uh, magnetic particle. Um, so that was a 580 terabyte. And, and by the way, 580 terabyte is native. Uh, we're talking about native capacities here. Um, so that would be the next generation of particle. So with technically, with yeah. compression, you could technically fit probably a petabyte exactly on that tape. Right, right. That's a lot and of data on a single tape. Yeah, it it is, but yeah. I mean that's not the end of the story, um, actually. So it it you know beyond strontium ferrite, we've also announced work that we're doing with the University of Tokyo and University of Osaka uh, on on the next particle beyond strontium ferrite called epsilon ferrite. Um, and epsilon ferrite actually also uses a um, uh, sort of like a hammer or mammer, a magnetic okay. uh, r- radio wave signal, right? That that helps with the recording process. So just to, uh, j- uh, for for those who, you should definitely check out. We t- when did we talk about hammer uh, persona? Was it uh, so hammer is heat assist so heat it has assisted been- magnetic recording? Go ahead, Persona. Oh, yeah, it hasn't been published yet, but it will well, be published. What episode? What, what's the name? Of, what? Or, well, we don't have a title. We don't have a name yet. Yeah, it's what it's with Mark Lance. Mark Lance. Okay, so yeah, so for those who, if you want more information on Hammer and Mammer, uh, we talk about it in the the episode with Mark Lance, which is yet to be published or titled. <laughs> so just just search for Mark Lance on our on our website. So that's interesting. The I. I so you're working on what's next even before what's currently next <laughs> yeah, exactly. is in production. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, and, just hey, just for the record, let me because this is a mouthful. So the epsilon ferrite is enabled by focused millimeter wave assisted magnetic recording, or FMIMR, um, and and, th- and that helps. Fimimer. Uh, yeah, F-M-I-M-R. Uh, and, and that, to me, you know, in my layman's terms, you know, that's similar to hammer or mammer where right. you're, you're uh, influencing the bit to uh, record the, the charge, positive or negative. Yeah. Interesting, though, because I guess, like, they have to work on it now because at some point they might need to do that. Because it probably we, takes we some did- time. To, yeah, to like ahead. sort of productize and make sure the cost makes sense and the probably getting it all the manufacturers to start using it as well, right? Because it's probably a long cycle to get all of that going. Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah, this is decade. Yeah, that was yeah. What I was going to say decade plus cycle because you you can't you're not you're not a software developer where you could have like a little bug. <laughs> and someone will tolerate it. You, we are counting on you. We are counting on the tape drive manufacturers to. We need you to get this right. <laughs> there's, there's yeah. zero, there's zero margin for error in the people who are holding on to all the things. <laughs> well, yeah, Curtis. I mean, that's a great point because you know we we are, you know, data is a new currency and. It, it the value of data has increased dramatically. Um, so you 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 never hear of oh there's a recall on LT6 <laughs> data drives or LT6 cartridges have this defect or that. 
um, you know, we measure our defects in like parts per million. I mean, it's almost uh, insignificant. As a matter of fact, today's uh, bid error rate, I know sometimes you talk about Uber undetected yeah. bid error rates, but we measure it in, in um, bit error rates. And uh, today tape has a better bit error rate than um, enterprise disk or even right. flash itself. Right. right. So we're up hey, there one times 10 to the 19 and even 20 yep. um, enterprise drives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we have we have talked about that, and that and that's on the list of reasons why tape continues to be an option because it, 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 it continues to have. There, there are a lot of people, first off, that misunderstand tape, as we we often. Talk I'm one about of them. On, on, yeah, well, he just doesn't <laughs> know. He's just he's just yeah. So there are a lot of people who think that the that the challenge with tape is that it's too slow. And they are so, so wrong on that, right? There are a lot of people that think the tape is unreliable and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they are so, so wrong about that. And, you know, the reality is that tape has a number of really good things going for it. It, it's, it certainly isn't the best at random access. Right? So if we were to create a petabyte file system on LTFS, on that, yeah. On that tape drive you're talking about, I can't imagine what that performance would be. But that's not what it's made for. Yeah, it's like asking for a car to be used in a lake. It does. It's not intended for that purpose. <laughs> it's not going to work well, right? No, right. it's not going to work well. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know that's a great point. And you know, we we host an annual IT executive summit every year. Although we had to kind of take a couple of years off because of uh, COVID. Uh, but we always invite Western Digital to the event. Uh, Western Digital comes. They, they talk about the latest and greatest in Flash and HDD. And uh, we share that with our customers. And um, the last summit, we, we had folks from uh, Twist uh, DNA, you know, come to talk about, uh, you know, storage on, on, on DNA and what the future looks like for that. Yeah, because we're dealing with exponential data growth. Yeah. And there's a massive amount of data that's being generated. I mean, look at IoT, 5G, uh, the digital transformation in, in general. Um, so we're going to need all of these technologies. And, and they all do a particular job particularly well. You know, if you have hot data and you need very fast access and random access, um, Flash, you know, is, is great right. for that. Right. Um, but as the data ages and cools and frequency of access uh, goes down, you know, the data moves to to a, a disk tier. Right. Um, and when it gets even colder than that, you know, it should move to a tape tier. Uh, and that can be in the cloud or on-prem. Uh, but, you know, that's really kind of the best practices in our view uh, is to you know, make sure you, you have the data in the right place, the right time, at the right cost. Because cost is a whole other issue. Yeah. You know, how are you going to, you can't, you can't maintain everything on, on let's face it, more expensive disk storage or or yeah. certainly flash. And right. just paying for the power and cooling of those things too. It's just right. I, impossible. Yeah, That's the great I thing remember, about tape is you just write to it and then you put it on a shelf, you're done. No additional cost, right? Other than that small footprint of storage. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere on Backup Central Rich, I have a blog post that I wrote many years ago and the title was something along the lines of even if disc was free tape would still be cheaper right yeah and it, and it yeah. had to and it had to do with power and cooling right it had to yes. do with simply the simply power well it had it simply had to do with powering and cooling those disk drives all the time whether they're doing anything or not well, that that is one of the beauties of tape is even after the acquisition cost if you're not doing anything with it, it's just sitting there consuming nothing from a power and cooling perspective. What here's a question I have for you, and, and Rich, you 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 may not be the person, but I, I don't know who else to ask this question. Are we at a point where we can? Uh, I don't know what the word declare where we can declare the death of optical, because no one talks about like magneto optical or you know, Blu-ray or anything like that as a, a, as an option for enterprise storage? Well, yeah, maybe I'm not the right person to ask. I believe that um, Sony and Panasonic were, were doing something with optical and, and probably Blu-ray. 
but we talked about bit error rates mm -hmm. and um, you know the uh, bit error rate for optical is is relatively low. I, I would even venture to say very low compared to uh, HDD flash and and tape. Where, so, where high is better. Uh, right. Well, high, right. So, uh, well, um, <clears throat> it's expressed as one times ten to the twelfth power. So, okay. So you know, significantly lower than right. every ten to the twelfth bits. Uh, whereas with HDD, it's one times ten to the fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, depending on the um, quality of the disc. I just know um, for a, for a while when I would go to trade shows, etc., there was always an optical booth somewhere. Somebody talking about <laughs> how this was the future. This was the future for long time storage, and they laugh at the tape people, right? They're like, "We're physical, and we're you know we're physically burning the bits into the thing," and and so it's so much better, so much more. Uh, what what word would you you know? It's um, more resilient, or more resilient. Thank yeah. you. It's more resilient than magnetic bits mm. that can flip over time, but then no one ever <laughs> buys them, as far as I can tell. The only for, thing, the last yeah, thing world. I can remember about optical was Facebook was looking at using optical for I think a lot of their photos and other things, but mm. this was like five years ago, and I'm guessing that they've right. abandoned that at this point. Uh, as far as I know, yes, I did have a pilot uh, that they were testing, uh, but uh, Facebook, you know, has been invited to speak at our end user summit. And they were, we were all set to hear um, how they're using tape um, in their applications for long-term storage. Uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, we had to reschedule mm. that. Oh, so that bummer. Facebook talk will be coming up um, in, in June of 2022. Uh, but as far as optical is concerned, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that uh, it, it's not the ideal data center uh, uh, storage medium in terms of reliability and probably the cost per terabyte is not keeping up with tape, for example. Yeah, there, there was, there, sorry to interrupt you, Rich. Uh, there was or is a device, you talked about Sony. I have seen what Sony was developing and was marketing, which kind of looks like an LTO cartridge. Have you seen this thing where it's got- It's a, it, it's a magazine. It's right. like a magazine, right? right? And it has multiple platters inside of it, which makes me think it's more closer to like the way a disk drive works. And, but I, I, they don't, I don't know, they don't seem to be actively selling it, right? They were developing it for a while, but when I tried to find where to buy it, I couldn't find anywhere to buy it. So, right, I right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, I, again, I don't want to speak for them uh, on, on yeah, what their obviously, obviously, plans yeah, are, but, yeah. uh, but, you know, we're doing really well with, uh, with tape today with, you know, highly advanced modern tape systems. Uh, for massive data storage, you know, at the hyperscale level, you know, right on down to the enterprise. And you touched on something earlier I wanted to follow up on, you know, is the energy consumption. Uh, and, you know, today climate change is such a dramatic, I mean, it's, it's unfolding before our eyes. You know, the 2020 was the uh, tide for the hottest year on record. I, I'm, I'm going to venture to say 2021 will be even hotter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, you know, the forest fires in 2020, how could they get worse? You know, they, but did. they did in 2021. Yep. And then you had the, the Texas deep freeze and you had the flooding, you know, in Europe and China and in the U.S. I mean, the hurricanes. Um, so, the, you know, climate change is, is really becoming top of focus for a lot of organizations. Globally, we know that IT operations are energy intensive. We know that storage is energy intensive. And when we look at comparing the amount of energy that tape uses to disk, you know, you're talking about an 87% advantage for tape, meaning that tape uses 87% less energy for the same amount of data, you know, over, over say, a 10, say 10 petabytes, 10 years, uh, you're going to be using 87% less energy to store that data. Therefore, you're producing 87% less CO2. Um, and there, there's also studies that show, okay, that's just the usage phase. Let's take a look at cradle to grave, you know, from procurement of raw materials to production, to distribution, to usage, to disposal. Then when you do the CO2 analysis there, um, tape has a 95% reduction compared to HDD. 
Um, so, you know, we believe that that's going to be a big issue. You know, look, mm. 2020, COVID was the headlines. Uh, but, you know, we believe that this global warming and climate change, everybody's got to do their part, um, you know, from all of us turning off a single light switch to um, renewable energies is an important part of the picture. But um, that probably can't come online fast enough, cheaply enough or in mass volume to really support the data centers. So it's got to be a combination of renewables and conservation. And if data is cold, you know, why consume energy yeah. maintaining it? Yeah. And I think, Rich, one of the points you mentioned earlier, and Curtis, you might have talked touched on it too, is I don't think a lot of people realize that hyperscalers, right, which consume a significant amount of power, right? Uh, if you look at your public cloud companies, they all probably use tape in some form or another, but they just don't tell end customers about it, right? Just looking at some it, it of the is, access patterns yeah. and things like that. <laughs> it is the industry's worst kept secret, <laughs> right? Because, you know, the, the tape manufacturers, and Rich probably can't say anything to tape manufacturers, yeah. you know, only in hushed rooms, right? Without, while not being recorded, will they even hint that, you know, these large hyperscalers are their customers. And, well, and hold yeah, on ahead. a second. Yeah, oh, hold on a second, uh, Curtis, because... Yeah, at, at our annual summit meeting, we've we've had Google, uh, oh, we've had Microsoft, okay. we, we've had, um, um, well, we're planning to have Facebook up next. But uh, I mean, you, you read about OVH Cloud recently deploying um, IBM 3592 tape systems. Okay, so, it, it's, about, so it's they're being a little more public about it, then. right? You can read about Baidu and, and their deployment of LTO, um, and you know, we, we certainly Microsoft um, has gone on record on on how. Okay, using, good. Yeah. There's, so it, there's it, one company I didn't hear you list. <laughs> one small cloud yeah. provider that. Well, well, here's the thing about, about the hyperscalers, you know, using tape is strategic. It's a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they, they, they do, some of them keep it more closer to the vest than others. Gotcha. Um, yeah. 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 All right, so so let's talk about we we hinted at it at the beginning of the recording. Let's talk about what people are doing, not hyperscalers, but regular companies. What are they doing with tape today? You 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 we we talked about two. What so basically there there's there's day to day operational backup and recovery. There's long term storage. Is it? Do you, do you have an idea of the percentage that falls that 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 those two categories cover? Honestly, I'm not going to venture to okay. to to even guess on on percentages. But uh, you know, I, I think that people wanted continuous data protection. They wanted um, very rapid backups uh, and uh, disk to disk. Um, uh, mirrored locations became a great option for that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that kind of relegated tape more to the archival application you know, right. for really the long-term retention. Um, although, as I mentioned earlier today, you know, now with, you know, the three, two, one rule, now the three, two, one rules evolving to three, two, one, one, you know, where you want to get one copy of the data offsite and offline. Mm -hmm. um, tape is the perfect application for that. Uh, it was always designed, you know, your, your sneaker net comment, right? Tape right. was always designed to be removable and, and highly portable. Right. You don't have to unplug it. You just take it out of the, right. out of the you eject it from the driver, eject it from the library. Um, so now with ransomware, and, you know, it's been said that ransomware is just in its infancy, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is really, really scary. Yeah. And, right. and somebody said to me, well, I was like, really? Just in its infancy? Well, people have been robbing homes since the days of the caveman, and they're still robbing homes today. Right. <laughs> so it's just one of those things that's not necessarily going to go away. So, you know, for, for um, you know, air gap protection, uh, certainly that's a backup application. And when you look at the FBI and the CISA recommendations, you know, the first thing they're telling people to do is, Make sure you have an offsite, offline backup because that may be the only way you're going to recover your data. 
Right. Uh, and that was it, a recent it, publication, right? Or an update that they made, right? Like uh, within the last couple of weeks, yeah, I want to say. It's, well, they constantly update it, but that's really been out there for well over a year. Okay. Um, I mean, when, when ransomware really started to get a lot of attention, um, I mean, gosh, you can go back to WannaCry in 2017, <laughs> but, but during COVID, when they were attacking the, the medical industry, uh, you know, during all the chaos that hospitals and, yeah. and health yeah. providers were going through, it was, you know, so these aren't very nice people. They're actually no, kind they're of not weird. very nice people. They're not, they're yeah. not very nice. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, there, there's only one place where we've joked about it a little bit. There's only one place where I found where they're nice. And that is when they're attacking VMware, they will suspend the machines for you before they encrypt them. So that when you when you unencrypt them, they'll be a viable image. I'm like, oh, how how sweet of them, how nice. Okay, so Rich, there is this idea of a truly air-gapped copy of the data. By the way, we actually had the author who coined the three two one rule on. We recorded him on the podcast last week, and that was that was kind of cool. It was like like meeting a hero kind of thing. <laughs> and what about long term? archive there, there is that that aspect of so we talked about coercivity like in detail we dove deep deep way past my level of knowledge into how it works and why tape is so good at holding on data for long periods of time in the episode it says tape designer schools mr backup on tape episode 111 and episode 111 thanks it was joe jernicky and uh, that, for those that are curious about why tape is really good at holding on data for long periods of time, that would be a great episode to, to go listen to and nerd yourself out. <laughs> so what, what, do you, what do you think? So, so we, we know about the air-gapped copy. We know about that it's really good at long-term storage. What, you know, you, you're a tape evangelist. What do you think is next? Right. What, what do you see as the future of tape moving past this point? So we talked a little bit about backup and archive. Mm -hmm. And one of the hot topics today that, that we have to mention is active archive. Okay. And, and you know, archive itself can be like a four-letter word. You know, if, yes. if, 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 listen, if my own IT folks call me and say, hey, can we archive these PowerPoints from 2007? Yeah, that gets me nervous, right? Because yeah. I, I don't want that to be disconnected or off the network uh, sitting on a shelf somewhere. Um, but now Active Archive, you're able to keep the data online all the time. And what you're doing in an Active Archive is you're leveraging intelligent data management software uh, to, to automatically move data by, by user-defined policy you know, from expensive tiers of storage to economy tiers of storage. And that can be a tier two disk, tier three tape, could be a cloud tier. Uh, but the idea is that it's transparent to the end user, that the data is always accessible without IT department intervention. Um, so you can always access your data. And why that's important is because nobody wants to strand data in an archive that they can't access. Nobody wants to delete data anymore. The value of data is, has increased dramatically because, you know, we can apply analytics to it. And if we can apply analytics to it, we can derive even more value from it. And if the data has value, then we want to keep it for uh, longer periods of time, I would even say indefinitely. Yeah. So if you're and, and you're dealing with exponential data growth, right? So if you're uh, increasing data, now you want to keep it indefinitely. Well, how are you going to do that? I mean, look at IT budgets. You know, according to Gartner, IT budgets are growing at a rate of less than 2% per year. Okay, but you've got data growth that's, you know, 25, 30, up to 60% for some companies. Um, so how do you do that? And, and how do you maintain, you know, your user service level agreements? They want to keep access to all their data. <laughs> So that's where the concept of active archive comes in handy. But, you know, as far as we're concerned, you know, you can have an active archive without tape, but is it going to be cost effective? And is it really going to scale to the amount of capacity that you need for the retention period that you need, which, you know, can be years to indefinite? Yeah. I was just going to add, Rich, as you were talking about the active archive, uh, 
in the storage industry or working on disk storage, right, we'd always talk about like HSM or hierarchical storage management, right, where within an array, you would sort of tier between like, say, flash and SATA disks, and maybe off to object storage. And what you're saying with Active Archive is more like, oh, yeah, now you're looking across various storage tiers, but it's all completely transparent and doesn't necessarily have to be from one vendor, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and you then, mentioned object storage. Yeah, that's <clears throat> getting very, very popular too. And, you know, we, we've we actually developed software that, that makes object storage compatible with uh, tape systems. That's what we call object archive. So, you know, th- the concept here is if the data goes cold and inactive, you know, why do you really want to maintain that on, on expensive um, right. spinning disk technology? So, you know, we've been able to integrate um, you know, an S3 compatible tape interface uh, mm. for storing object uh, files um, cost effectively long term. Um, so it's all part of, you know, it's all to, to us, it's part of data grooming. You know, you've, you've got you've got to have intelligent data management to deal with the with the exponential data growth and the limited budgets. Right. And and by the way, you know, you, you you're using the, the term active archive, you're you're Fujifilm, I think, was a founding member of the Active Archive Alliance, and it looks like that's still actively being maintained. As I look, I was just looking at its website. Um, correct, and actually, today we we have a record number of sponsors and members uh, because you know this is becoming a hot topic and and a great way to you know balance you know the the budget, balance the user requirements. And the amount of data that you need to maintain. So um, that that is correct. It's we, we believe that's a hot topic going forward. And it looks like in May of this year, it says Active Archive Alliance unveils State of the Industry 2021 report, announces free virtual conference on the benefits of Active Archive. Uh, I, I'm guessing that conference already happened, but uh, the report it looks like is still available. Sure. So yeah, and you, yeah so it sounds you like you think Active Archive is is the is the is the future it's we we believe it's a very sensible way again to balance exponential data growth and and you know limited budgets and end user demands you know to keep access to that data certainly Mm -hmm. makes sense and that's a combination like everything it's a combination of software products and hardware products and software yeah and it's you know compatible you know with disc tape you mentioned optical earlier sure flash or cloud well, I know I noticed that there don't appear to be any optical hardware members of the Active Archive. <laughs> I just looked, but uh, no, but but you know they're they're welcome to join. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's it's really it's it's um, technology vendor agnostic, if you will. Yeah, that's right. the right terminology. I was going to ask you, Rich. I know you talked about sort of. I know we're talking about the future of tape, um, and you had previously mentioned that sort of. Right now, you're working on the next technology, right, for tape media. And then there's already a next technology after that. But so it's still probably like 30 years out before the next wave comes. But people are now starting to talk about like DNA being used for archiving data or long-term data. And I know that there's it's going to be decades and decades before that technology is available. And it's very slow. Um, but do you, do you have any thoughts around like people using DNA as like an alternative to tape in the, it's probably going to be like 40, 50 years before that's ready, but just. Well, yeah. So I have a few comments. It it may not be 40, 50 years. It it might be here sooner than you think. And uh, we certainly, as I mentioned earlier, um, we invited twist to speak um, at our, they did attend our 2019 summit and we, we had them scheduled to speak at our event in September, which, again, is now delayed until 2021. But, you know, if DNA comes to market, uh, that's great uh, because we're going to need a lot of storage you know, <laughs> on all fronts to manage. I mean, look, according to IDC, uh, you know, the data that needed to be stored in 2020 was 4.1 zettabytes. Uh, they're projecting 11.1 zettabytes in 2025. I mean, a single zettabyte is 83 million LTO8 cartridges. 83 million? 83 million. Yeah, 12 ter- oh. a zettabyte divided by 12 terabytes, you know, which is an LTO8 capacity. Yeah. 
is 83 million tapes. Oh man. Um, so, you know, we're going we're gonna to need a lot of everything. We're going to need a lot of flash. We're going to need a lot of disk, a lot of tape, you know, a lot of um, DNA if it comes to market. Now, DNA might be, um, might be considered a tier four. Mm-hmm. So if, if, you know, flash tier one, disk tier two, tape tier three, you know, maybe a tier four emerges, which is, you know, write once, read never. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, because, you realize that's worn. <laughs> that's correct. It is worn, uh, which I'll have to give credit to Fred Moore uh, for coining that. Okay. For, okay. That, yeah. Coin. Yeah. That's his terminology. But um, yeah. So so tier four might be you know an application you know for for certain data sets, um, but you know none of these technologies. It's to to us. It's not about tape versus disc. Uh, and that's why we bring Western Digital to our summit because you know um, we we need all these technologies and they they all complement each other. You know, again, it's about getting the right data, right place at the right time. Um, that means flash, disk, tape, cloud, DNA, eventually, and at the right um, cost. So, <laughs> yeah, and at the at the right cost, right? I mean, that's you know we can't forget about that <laughs> that budget. Yeah. By the way, feel free to invite me to that physical summit in 2022. Just um, saying, Rich. Yes, uh, you'll 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 get an in- invite after after we hang up today. So. <laughs> All right, sounds <laughs> good. All right, well, uh, I think we have uh, covered it. By the way, Rich, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to? Well, just uh, you know, we're excited about uh, bringing LTO9 to market, uh, which we just announced on September 7th. Um, that's the latest generation of, of linear tape open, um, 18 terabytes, 45 terabytes compressed. Um, and, you know, transfer speed, 400 megabytes per second. Uh, but with compression, it gets up to um, 1,000 megabytes per second. Um, and, and we feel that, you know, with the extra capacity of LTO9, you know, it's, it's going to help with TCO. It's going to help with the energy consumption profile. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it, it's really supporting the exponential data growth that needs to be managed. Um, so we're excited about that higher capacity product being on the market. Um, but, you know, I, my, my closing comment, you know, really is uh, climate change and global warming. And if, if data is not being used, it's not being accessed, yet it has value, it can't be deleted. Uh, there's no need to keep it on constantly spinning energy-intensive tiers of storage. You know, move it to tape, uh, 87% less energy consumption, 87% less CO2. Um, so, you know, it's, it's you know, a, a serious issue that we're all facing, you know, um, and we have to think about what we can do in terms of renewables and conservation um, at home, in the office, in the data center. Um, you know, to help make a difference. All right. Well, with that, we will put an end to this particular podcast. So thanks so much, Rich, for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much, Curtis, Prasanna. Thanks for having me today. And thanks, Prasanna, for, uh, you know, maybe giving me some ideas about how to get out. I, of this, I, was, I was just going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> good luck with the baby shower, Curtis and Rich. It was a pleasure chatting. Thanks, guys. And thanks again to the listeners. Remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See, I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space.
It'll be completely done Maybe 